We're in a series we just entitled uh, Re. It's a little phrase that you can put to a lot of words that speak to where we are spiritually. There are those that need to reconnect in their relationship with God. There's a lot of used to out there. There's a lot of used to. Oh, I used to, I used to couldn't wait to come into the presence of God, or I used to pray, or I used to witness, or I used to, I don't want to live in the used to's. I want to live in the day. I want to live in the connection God has for us. There's others that just need to be restored. There, there's something in your life that's been taken away. There's something that, that once God had blessed in you, it's still there. But the, you know, the cares of the world, the Bible says, sometimes kind of overshadow those things and, and we need them restored in our lives. And so we, we look at this and we say, how's the best way to re-engage, reconnect, restore? It's to come back to who Jesus is, what he said, what he did. And if we are followers of him, then, then ask him to make that true in us. Let us reflect who he is in this world today. The overall thought of this series will be on the screen is this, and that is that our identities as followers of Christ need to line up with our testimonies. If we're going to name his name, then our lives ought to reflect that. And wherever they don't, it's not, a, it's not a negative toward us, like, what's wrong with you? It's that means there's more. There's more that he wants to do in us. There's more that he wants to do through us. So we're going to trust God to do that today. In fact, we're looking into a passage this morning that I think gives one of the clearest definitions of what it means to be a Christian you're going to find in the New Testament. It, it, I entitled this message today, What Did I Sign Up For?, there's a, a lot of folks that go to church that sometimes have never figured out what they signed up for when they surrendered their life to Christ. But I want to show it to you in Scripture today that we may live it out through the power of His Holy Spirit. You know, we've been looking at this life. Jesus came to the earth. He showed up with authority. He showed up with power. His teaching was different. His actions were different. For the last several weeks, we've been focusing on the tension between him and the religious leaders of the day that would ultimately lead to his crucifixion on the cross by, by the Roman soldiers. But yet, this morning, we're going to take a little break out of that tension. We get a little reprieve out of that. And in the midst of it, we see him laying out to a group of followers what it means to truly follow Christ, to identify ourselves as believers. So pick it up in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 3 this morning. It says, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea. Now, I, I don't want to just stop right there. You're like, Mike, we're just getting warmed up. Well, let's just stop for a second because we have to ask ourselves, why did he withdraw? In fact, when I read that, I'm like, oh, no, my Jesus doesn't withdraw. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like that. You know, again, I, as, as we can interject ourselves into the word sometimes, I'm like, come on, Jesus, you don't need to withdraw. But yet he did. Why? Because the Pharisees were plotting with the Herodians to murder him. All because he healed a man with a shriveled hand on the Sabbath. But it's not just that. It's all along. He's been in their face, coming out, not, not just strictly like trying to opposition in the sense of battle, but yet making very clear he did not come to play their game. He did not come to patch up their religion. He did not come to, to do what they wanted him to do. He came as the son of man, the son of God, to show them a better way. And even today, he does not come to, to play our games. He doesn't come to, to follow our rules. He comes and invites us, follow him. So he's withdrawing uh, from them in that time, and he's seeking out a place uh, to get along with those who are following him, because after all, they wanted to kill him. And, and again, why were they wanting to kill him? Oh, I don't know, because he was healing people. He was loving people. He was teaching them about real life and delivering the oppressed. And oh, by the way, he was forgiving of sins, forgiving the sins of mankind. And for that, they wanted to crucify him. But it wasn't his time yet. You know, so often we don't think about God's timing in our lives. 
Let's be honest. How many want every prayer you pray answered now? The rest of you are still asleep. Okay. <laughs> we have extra coffee in the foyer. It's all ready for you. It's okay if you slip out. All right. We do. We want now. Lord, send revival. Lord, send it now. We just got through singing those, those words and our land needs revival. Our, our world needs a, a reconnection to the creator. We recognize that. But yet God's timing means everything. And it wasn't time for him to, to be sacrificed. It wasn't time for him to give up his life. So he withdrew with his disciples to the sea. And a great crowd followed him from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Edimia and, and from beyond the Jordan, from around Tyre and Sidon. And when the great crowd heard all that he was doing, it's underlined on the screen for you. Remember that all that he was doing, they came to him and he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, you're the son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. Father, today, I pray, God, you'll give us a, an open heart and open minds, God. Lord, we know, Father, as humans today, God, we're dragging. We're just going to admit it right off the bat, God. And, uh, but yet, Lord, you energize us by the work of your Holy Spirit, God. To, Lord, not only to gather, God, Lord, because it's right, because... God, we gather because we need you. God, we want to be with you. We want to be with the body of Christ coming together. There's something amazing happens, God, when people come together and say, Father, we want to be in your presence. And so, Father, I ask today, Lord, God, as your word is taught, God, as your word is spoken, Lord, it is anointed by your Holy Spirit. And God, I just pray that, Father, it'll, it'll seek its target in each one of us. And God will draw us, and God, to that greater relationship of knowing you. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd said a while ago to Mark the, the, the thought that the crowds were coming to him because of what he was doing, what he was doing. You see, it's human nature. We are, we are drawn to the spectacular sometimes. We want, we want the action more than the person sometimes. We want the healing more than the surrender. In fact, the crowds, it'll be on your screen, the crowds are drawn to what Jesus was doing, not necessarily what he was teaching. But if you remember early on, Jesus said, I, I must leave the crowd because I've come here to teach. I've come here to show man another way, a better way. Like many today, the crowd were caught up in the spectacular, not necessarily the spiritual. You know, we come to see God perform instead of coming to surrender our lives to him and coming to know him and to know his love and to know his joy and to know his peace in our lives. You know, it's wonderful to be attracted to Jesus because of what he does. There's no doubt you can't get around that. No one on earth can heal you. No one on earth can set you free. No one else can forgive you of your sin. It's natural to be attracted to Jesus. But if our focus is always on what he can do for us instead of who he is, we won't follow him long. We'll, we'll be like the parable in a few chapters when he talked about the sower sowing the seed on the ground. And it spoke of some that, that the fruit jumped out of the ground quickly. It bore fruit quickly, but yet it also withered quickly because its roots were very shallow. And church, if we are going to reconnect to Jesus, we have to recognize it's not about an emotional connection. It's not about the spectacular always. It's about knowing the truth and the truth setting us free. And recognizing that is the same truth that he has for the world, for the world to know what freedom really looks like. See, I understand it. When I, when I see the crowd, I don't knock them. I don't look at them and say, what's wrong with y'all? Because if I am honest, how many times am I focusing more on what, what, what I want God to do than on what he wants to teach me? 
How often in my prayer time, how often in our times of, a, of that quiet moments with the Lord are we focused on, but God, I need you to do, and we fill in the blank. Instead of God, what does it look like for me to be a better husband because of your grace? God, what does it look like for me to be a better man? God, because of the mercy you have on me, Father. God, what is it you want to do in my life? How do I better represent the love of Christ on earth? But so often it's God we want you to do. Listen, he healed many. Praise God. He still heals many today. The testimonies you had this week to me about God touching your mind or touching your thoughts, that is God's power coming out of his compassion for us. But he came to do more than heal. Last time I checked, everyone he healed eventually died. Even the one he raised from the dead died. Oh, but listen, does that change the fact we pray, oh God, heal us? No. Does that change that? Why? Because we are made with that same compassion, but we have to recognize something. He came to change us spiritually, internally, for all of eternity. And if we understand that, then we see him for who he is, and we're not always just chasing what he does. And we stop chasing what he does and come to what he is in our lives. Then we have a witness. Then we have a purpose to bring out to those around us. Listen, gang, his focus is more on the eternal than it was on the temporary. And even the demons got it. Isn't that, isn't that amazing when the demons get better than we do? That's kind of sad. But they're like, you are the son of God. And he's like, hush. I don't need a PR wing from there, okay? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't need demons be doing my marketing for me. He says, shut. Y'all just, just be quiet. But everyone was coming, and they were coming because they wanted God to bless them, and we need God to bless us, yes. But church, we need him to teach us even more, to make us more and more in the image of who he is. Because he came to teach us and give his life for a ransom for many. So pick it up in verse 13 here. It says, he went up into the mountain and called him those whom he desired. And they came to him and he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the 12, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Bonergies. Bon I never say it right. <laughs> Bonergies, there we go. That is the sons of thunder. I like that better. I bet they had that tattooed somewhere. You know, sons of thunder on the back of their jackets. Uh, they were a mess. Uh, <laughs> Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew. Don't you love the stories of Bartholomew in the New Testament? Yeah, they're not there. And Matthew. <laughs> And Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, there's another one, right? And Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who always is shown as who betrayed him. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again so they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, he's out of his mind. Don't you know it's wonderful when your family supports your spiritual journey, right? <laughs> he's out of his mind. <laughs> Think about that for just a moment. His family, who was that? Mary, his siblings. You think the one who remembered the virgin birth and the angel speaking to her would recognize he's doing something he was called to do, not that he's out of his mind. But yet the very ones closest to him were pushing back. Listen, they were saying, you can't go around telling everybody you're God. That's just crazy. You can't even eat lunch. Come have something to eat. Typical mother, right? But I don't want to focus on that today. We're going to look at that down the line in some of the teachings. But what I want to focus on today is what does it really mean to be a disciple? 
What does it really mean to be a disciple of Christ? Jesus referred them as apostles, but yet we see even in his great commission in Matthew 28, there was something he called all of us to do, and that is be part of the process of making disciples. Check it out. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Go, there, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. What's a disciple? What does it mean to follow Christ? What did I sign up for? I mean, in our day and age, you would think he would take him through the mountains and he would call an HR and there'd be a big a manual handed out. And let's go through the 300 pages of what it means to be a follower of Christ. And certainly there'd be forms to fill out because uh, after all, we have to always do that to be part of anything, right? But yet this was all the instruction he gave them in this moment. In verse 14, he lays out this job description that truly is our job description. He says, what I want for you as a follower what I want from you as a follower is very simple. He said, he, it says that number one, that you might be with him, that we might be with him and he might send us out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. So I want to break those three down this morning. I want to talk about what it looks like if we're really a disciple, a follower of Christ. And the first is the most important. He said, if you're one of my followers, if you are a disciple of Christ, the number one thing in your life ought to be that, that we seek his presence, that we want to be with Jesus. We want to know him. We want to know his presence. We want to know his love. In fact, that's where it all has to start. The other things will come later. So often when, when we come to know Christ, we think about what can we do? Do I get to go preach? Do I get to go be a missionary? Do I get to go share? What do I do? And he says, number one, I want you to be with me. Because when you learn to be with me, the rest of it is an outflow of that relationship. When you learn to be with me, the rest of it begins to come naturally out of our lives. You see, if that relationship with him is not priority one, then the preaching or power that you hope you have in your life will have no impact and definitely no authority because it only comes out of relationship. Listen, gang, you can, you can teach the word with no authority and no power if there's no relationship. And it's just words on a page. But God said, no, I want you to, to come and, and know my son. And Jesus invites us, just like his early followers said, I want you to be with me. There's a saying in Christianity, and we say it so much, it almost becomes trite. But it's simply this. We like to say that Christianity is a relationship and not religion. It's a relationship and not religion. If you remember this, it, it, that is the absolute bedrock of our faith. So much so that Jesus, when he was introducing this to the, to the Pharisees and those that were around, he used two illustrations. He said, listen, you don't, you don't put a patch on an old garment because eventually that garment's going to stretch and, the, and that patch won't. And it's just going to tear it all apart. And he talked about wine and wineskins. And we, we talked about that a few weeks ago. We're like, what's he talking about? What he's saying is this. You just can't fit Jesus into your life. You just can't kind of add him to your life and think it's going to be okay. I put it this way, a little bit of Jesus isn't going to do you good. A little bit of Jesus is going to mess you up because he wants all of you. In fact, he doesn't settle for less than that. He says, I want you to be with me. In our day, he would have to say, I want you to put your phones down. I want you to turn your screens off. I want you to silence everything else. And I want you to look me in the eyes and I want you to be with me. 
I want, I want you to feel my breath. I want you to know what it is to be near. I want you to know what it is to be loved. Why? Because that's the sound foundation of everything else in our lives. We taught this early on in the series. Jesus didn't come to fit, you, to fit into our lives or receive part of our lives. He brings salvation, but more importantly, he brings lordship. And if we're going to reconnect the body of Christ, especially in, around this Western culture of our nation, we've got to come back to focus on lordship. And not just punching our card to heaven. Guys, there's a lot of people who have punched their card to heaven, but there's no fruit being born in their lives. There's a lot of people that name the name of Jesus, but there's no evidence. And I'm not just saying that as some kind of easy judgmental statement. I'm just saying that's the reality we live in today. If our light's going to shine before the Lord, let it be a light that points to him and not away from him. Let it be a light that illuminates the path to freedom and not the path to things that are just of this world. So he's looking for lordship. But to have lordship, we, we can't say this enough, our relationship has to start with surrender. Have you surrendered to Christ? Have you surrendered to Christ? You say, Mike, what does that look like? It's not a one-time thing. It's not a come and saying a prayer at the end of a service or shaking a pastor's hand or even being baptized in the waters. It is waking up daily and coming in that relationship with the Lord where we just want to be with him and him with us. And in those moments, the Holy Spirit has a wonderful way of revealing there's areas of our lives we really haven't surrendered. We're still trying to control them. We're still trying to lead ourselves. We're still trying to make our mark instead of saying, God, what do you want to do in this area of my life? And guys, we need to come back to surrender. I don't know how you translate that. I don't know how you walk in that. The longer I walk with him, <laughs> the more I realize how long I've gone without surrendering some parts of my life. The, the, more, the more I think, I think I've got it. And then he shows me I really don't. Why? Because he wants me to be with him. He wants me to find his, my life in him. That's why Christianity is not an ideology. It's not a philosophy. The Bible, the Bible is not a book of rules that if we get most of them right, we get to heaven. That's what I thought growing up. Well, you know, if I get nine out of 10, we're good. Better than my neighbor. That's religion. Listen, it's a relationship with God that we cannot earn, that we don't deserve. We can't live up to it. I love this thought. It'll be on the screen. You and I will never be good enough to go to heaven. And that is freeing. That is freeing if you understand that. Because what that tells me is my life and the story of my life is a story of grace and mercy alone. It's not that somehow I'm better than or I've done more. I can get there with somebody else. No, he says only by grace are we saved through faith. Not of works that we boast. Oh, we have works that flows out of our faith. But can I tell you, we got to come back to that surrender point of saying, Lord, I know I'll never be good enough. I live in your grace. I live in your mercy, God. And because of that, now I can hang out with you. Because otherwise it'll all be a performance. How often have you felt that, Lord, I can't really be in your presence today because I've had a bad week. God, I really not, I'm not feeling so good about coming in and, and seeking to be with you, God, because I know, I know my sin. God, I know my attitude toward others. I, I know the judginess in my life. But when we recognize the grace and mercy of God, we enter into the throne room, the, the, the place of the presence of God. We enter in by grace. And we find mercy in our time of need. And it invites us. And that's good news. Why? Because the first and most important part of being a Christian is to be with him. Now, I, I, I the, the, again, my background, I was always looking for the instruction manual. Well, God, what, what, if I'm going to follow you, then what movies can I see and what movies can I not see? 
Who can I hang out with and who can I not hang out with? What can I say and what can I not say? What do I do? It was all about performance, but Jesus was just saying, be with me. Because when I'm with him, can I tell you, those things <laughs> kind of filter out. Because that check in your, in, your, in your spirit, the Holy Spirit in you, the more you're with Christ, then you get that what I call the ping of the spirit that says, don't go there. Maybe you need to go back and apologize for what you just said. Maybe you ought to tell your kids I'm not perfect. You see, guys, Jesus invites us to himself. And the more we're with him, we are changed in his presence. The more we're with him, we are made like him. I mean, think about it. Have you ever had someone in your life that just being around them makes you better? It just makes you better. They're the ones you want to hang out with coffee, right? Because you, you come away from that going, oh, man, I'm just better. And it's not because when you're with them, they scold you and tell you how bad you are and all the things you've done wrong. And can't you just get your act straight? No, but the goodness that they walk in, it just has this bleed over effect into your own life. It just makes you want more. And once you makes you want more, it makes you want more. Listen, guys, that's the picture of what it means to be with Jesus. And when we're with him, it changes us from the inside out. It's 1 John 4, 10, an understanding that I, I struggled as an early believer to understand this. It says, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Growing up in church, I was led to believe that my job as a Christian was to learn how to love God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. All right, let me figure that out. What's the, what's the exercise program to get me there? Because it was all about how in the world do I come to love God when I'm having a hard enough time loving people that I can see and touch. And yet you tell me to love a God that I cannot see and touch. And yet we had it backwards. He says, this is love. That God loved us first and sent his son to, to provide that forgiveness of our sin. It's backwards when we come to this place where somehow our performance gets us to God instead of just resting in his presence and recognizing how much he loves us. Because when we do that, we can't help but have a love response to him. When you really understand grace and mercy, church, you can't help but have a love response. Because nothing we have is because we deserve it. That simple course this morning with the every breath, God. It's the breath you give me, God. How can I not return that in praise to you? God, with every breath you give me, how can I not stop and let that be a hallelujah moment, right? God, with just, just the fact we got up this morning, we all walk in here all complaining about the time shift and won't they ever change that and the weather's all... God, I get to be in the house of the Lord today with people I love that love you, Father. And God, I get to let the word God speak into my heart in a way, God, that makes me better. It makes me better. Listen, guys, it was the greatest thing that was ever said about the early disciples was that they had been with Jesus. You remember the story, maybe you don't, back in the book of Acts, early on when the early church was being formed, uh, they, were, they, were, they were making the difference. They were turning the world upside down just out of their love relationship with Christ and the recognition that he rose from the grave. And it was noted about them. You see it in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. I remember sitting in a leadership class one time and they, they thought it was a great idea. We should all write out the epithets we want on our gravestones. I know, leadership studies. Come on, somebody. 
That's why I have my master's degree in that. It makes a lot of sense. And, and I couldn't really think through everybody's writing all this great stuff. Oh, great father, great son. And the thought hit me. I would just love to have it written there that he had been with Jesus. And now he is with Jesus. There's no separation. They've been with Jesus. What happened? That's what changed everything. The presence of the Lord in their lives changed everything. It's why we tell you over and over again at Hope, we want you to be in the Word. We want you to find what it is to grow in the knowledge of the Lord because that invites us into His presence. It's why we, why we prioritize worship. Our, our first Wednesdays, even if you, if you come out, it's just, it's just an hour. We're just going to get in God's presence and soak in His presence together. Why? Because we need to know what it is to be led by the Spirit. We need to know what it is to sense and know His presence in our lives and to recognize even when we don't feel that He's still there. And we walk in the power. That's why, why we encourage you again and again, get God's word into your lives. And today, church, we have no excuse. You say, well, Mike, I'm not a reader. Podcast anybody? You can listen to the best teaching and the best preachers in the world at your fingertips at any time. I listen to four to five sermons a week because when I go walk, I put it on. I'm like, you know what? I can listen to a song. I can listen to news radio and I'd walk away depressed. Or I can listen to a message and I let it get in my life. Now, I don't know about you. You may be a little different than me. That's hard for me because preachers are critical of preachers, somebody. I'm like, why did he say that? We were at a seminar yesterday. One of my good friends was up there. He was teaching away and he used a word that's got to get out of pastor's mouths these days. He used the word woke. I'm like, stop it. Stop it. You don't even know what it means. Stop it. Then later use the word tape. I'm like, oh my goodness. Come on, what even is that tape? Y'all are laughing. You don't even know what tape is, do you? It's not what you wrap a present with. It's what you used to listen to music on. Come on, somebody. Yeah. But there's so much available. There's podcasts. There's version. I want you to put this on the screen. We, we have two subscriptions here at Hope that you should take advantage of. One of them is Right Now Media. We are a video people. Do you recognize that? I watch you when you come in here before service, you're like this. You're not looking around to see you can greet. You're still watching something on your phone. We have videos you can watch at any time on any subjects by some of the best teachers in the world. I've had some of you share with me what a difference right now media has made in your life. Listen, gang, after service, you can come shoot a picture of that QR code or you can just email me. We'll put that in your hands. Cost you nothing. There are lessons for your kids. There's lessons on marriage. There's lessons on finance. Whatever you may be dealing with, it is a video segment for the Word of God into your life. Here's another one, Bible Engagement Project. This one is amazing. I, I know that you version is great because you can go pick out a devotion about whatever you want to. Well, I need to do a, a five-day study on forgiveness. Okay, great. Bible Engagement pro Project is that same type thing, but it is systematic through the Word of God, so you just don't pick out your favorite topics you come to know what it is to know the Word of God and how to live it out through that. But it's available to all of us. We use it in our youth. We use it in our kids. And again, we should be all using it available together. What's the point? We need God's Word in our life. We need to find those moments where we connect to God and recognize He's with us always, but we need to learn to truly be with Him. For those that are married, you know what I'm talking about. You can be with somebody and not be with them. You, you can be together and not be with them. We can do the same with Christ. We can go to church 52 weeks out of the year. We can go to seminars and never be with him if we don't slow down, get in his presence, and learn what it is to listen and hear his voice. So the first thing he said, if you're going to be my followers, 
be with me. Here's the second thing. He said, if you're going to be my followers or disciple, he said, then I want you to preach. I want you to pass on what you've learned from Jesus. Now, I want to be really fat, quick about this, okay? Because we're going to see preaching a lot later in the story through the book of Mark. So I'm just going to hit this lightly today. He doesn't mean get your soapbox, go stand in a corner and yell at traffic outside of Walmart. And then tell them you go to Hope Church. Please don't do that. It doesn't mean like you just start quoting King James on your neighbor because you don't like them. No, no, listen, what that word preach there really is, it's just, it's sharing what you know. It's sharing what God has done with you. It's not even, it's not even talking about what I'm doing right now. There are, there are a few of us that are called to do this. In fact, the Bible says we, we should be very careful in that area. But, but yet all of us have influence where one mom to another mom can say over coffee, let me tell you what the difference in my parenting is because I find peace in Christ. Let me tell you the big danger you're going to find as a mom, and, and that's isolation or <laughs> comparison. And I want to just help you out. It, it's at work saying, let me, let me tell you why, why, why my marriage is working. And it's not because we are just better. And it's not because we went to a great seminar. It's because we put Christ first in our lives. And he changes everything. You see, that's preaching. It's, it's saying what Jesus has done in our lives and sharing it in a way that others can relate and understand to that. We should be the best employers or employees in the world. And the difference is not because we have degrees. The difference is because we have Jesus. We work around a lot of people that are smarter than us. That's part of humility. But yet when we show them Christ, it stands out. Guys, that's preaching. He says, if you're going to be with me, first of all, be with me. But second, there's going to be this outflow of your life that others need to know the difference I've made in you. And then the third part, and that is that I want you to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. The life of Jesus that frees us and frees others. What I get to do on Sundays, you can do always. Someone in your workplace or in your small group is like, man, I'm just really struggling with thoughts of fear. It's overwhelming. I'm not sleeping at night. And you're not like, oh, come next Sunday and Pastor Mike will pray for you. Why do you have to wait till Sunday? And who am I? Say, can I just pray with you? Because I recognize my God says he's the answer for that. You know, I think we shy away from this because when we think about power, we forget that Jesus exercised the power of the Holy Spirit on earth. His miracles, his work were all a outflow of the Holy Spirit in, our, in, in his life. And when he departed this earth, he, he breathed on the Spirit and said, receive the Holy Spirit. It is an, an engagement we have to us today. And it's not that we're going around casting out demons and identifying demons everywhere. That just gets freaky. But in the middle of it, we recognize there are people in our lives that are oppressed. They are oppressed. Yes. We don't look at them and say, you have a demon. They won't talk to you anymore. But you can say, you know what? I know what you're going through. And I know the answer to that. And his name's Jesus. And I can tell you what it is to be bound in my life. I can't say it's the same as what you have. But I can tell you the answer is Jesus. And I can pray for you. Listen, guys, I know this. People will look at the area of this, like, casting out demons and all that. And I hear it. They're like, was that still needed today, Mike? Do we really need that kind of ministry in our lives today? I get it. In America, we drug everything. It's just a simple solution. But you go to other countries and you recognize that it's more obvious. Why? Because they're more in touch with the spiritual than we are. 
But it's the same devil that seeks to kill, steal, and destroy, whether you're in Zimbabwe or whether you're in the United States, whether you're in Haiti or whether you're in Texas. It, it is the same devil, and it's the same Jesus that overcame him. And the same one that said, we have authority not to let him just run all over our lives, but to say, in the name of Jesus, flee. In the name of Jesus, you got to go. In the blood of Jesus covered the situation. And you say, that's a lot of spiritual language. But you know what, church? We are spiritual beings. And the blood of Jesus is a real fact in our lives that cleanses from our sins, but also brings power to bring life where there is death. And we need to recognize that in our lives. Again, we, we, we kind of look at that and say, well, you know, that's for those really super spiritual people. No. Listen, if I am his, if I'm a follower of Christ, then he said he came to give me life, real life. And now he calls me to be a disciple, an ambassador. I stand in that place with authority to represent him. And it is our role to preach the gospel, to be a physician to the souls of mankind, and to bring freedom wherever we see bondage. But we'll never do that unless we understand grace and mercy. We'll never do that if we think somehow we're not, we're not enough and we got to somehow get there. Listen, gang, when you pray for somebody, maybe you've never experienced that. When you really pray for somebody, it is a, it is a, a life moment. You realize you're not enough. That, that's not even a question. You realize you're not the answer. All you are doing in that moment, when I lay hands on somebody, I'm praying over them. I'm just agreeing with what Jesus already said to do, what his word has commanded us to do, and what he's promised to work through. It's no different than what I'm doing right now. My, my brothers have fun with this. Mike, Mike is, lives in the foolishness of preaching because uh, that's what the scripture says about it. But yet God can take these words from an imperfect vessel and touch your heart right now in a way that no, and nothing else can. So we connect to God, we come to God, we, we get in that place when we understand his grace and his mercy that we can't help but want to be with him and to love him and to know him and somehow preach what has happened in our lives and be a mission to help others find freedom in their lives. Church, it's, it's why we do what we do as a church. It's why we, we stand on the parking lot and we, we feed souls food so we can tell them about Jesus. It's why we go to two services. Is that convenient? No. It's not at all. It's like our musicians showing up this morning and parking down at the high school to make more room for people to park in the parking lot today and walk through the rain. We do that. Why? Because we want people to be in the presence of the Lord. It, it's why we give. It, it's why we, we pull out that which God has blessed us with and say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give back to you for the work of the gospel to go out beyond me, Father, to touch lives that I will never touch. Why? Because I'm a disciple. I'm a follower of Christ. I've been called to him and I'm his own. So let's, let's wrap it up with this. Who can be a disciple? <laughs> Is it those that are called by Jesus or those that come to Jesus? Chicken before the egg. I don't know. I'd say yes, both and. There are those like, I've got to know. I am called to know him. Great. And there's others like, I just want to know him. Great. I'm, I'm not smart enough to figure out the in-between of that. I'm just saying, come. Let him touch your life. Give your life to him. Respond to the Lord. And recognize what a disciple is, because this really, I think, will help set some free. A disciple was not picked because of who they are, but because of who God could make them become. They were not picked because of who they are or were. They were picked because of who God could make them become. I, I always love this thought. God delights in taking the foolish things in this world and confounding the wise. And I'm all right being a fool for Christ, if that's what it means. 
Because when I look at the disciples, and I look at who he chose. I don't know about you, but I'd have chose a whole different team. I mean, look at it. James and John, sons of thunder. Do you think you're not going to be pulling those two guys out of some fights every once in a while? They're the ones that want to stand on the corner and yell at cars as they go by. Sons of thunder. Bring it on. Let's go. Peter. Don't you love your legacy when Jesus had to call you Satan? I mean, come on. Get behind me, Satan. Oh, that hurt. <laughs> That's going to stick. But yet we love Peter. I love Simon the Zealot, sworn revolutionary to fight anyone who's a threat to Israel. And what does Jesus do? He pairs them with Matthew, the tax collector, and says, you guys are bunking together. Because that's what the body of Christ does, right? Others, it doesn't say much about them. Bartholomew, Thaddeus. My, my theory on that is maybe they were just such excellent human beings. If he made them the highlight reel, we'd never think we could do it. Maybe they were just so good. Judas Iscariot. You know what his picking of Judas Iscariot means to me? It means that no man can stop God's plan. No man can stop God's plan. And when I have people ask me, well, why did he pick Judas? My answer is always this. Why did he pick me? Why did he pick me? Why did he pick you? So what do we expect as disciples? The first thing is we got to expect criticism, but we got to avoid the conflict. It's not popular to be a follower of Christ always. I know in the South we think it is, but that's changing. If you're really a biblical Christian and you're really reconnected to Jesus, it stands out. And there will be criticism because always we come back to this understanding of God's word that says, you know what? It is our life. It is the word of truth. There are things there that make us struggle a little bit and the culture definitely struggles them, but we can't change them because it's God's word. Expect criticism, but avoid the conflict. But secondly, expect to live a life that doesn't fuel the opposition. You know what I've never been told? I've never been told in all these years of pastoring, I've never had someone stop me in the foyer and say, pastor, I gotta tell you something. Man, I am hated at work. I am persecuted for being a follower of Christ. And I say, why are you persecuted? I've never heard them say, because I'm a humble, loving, self-sacrificing. I put everybody else's needs above my own. I'm just there to serve everybody and they hate me. I've never heard that. But I've talked to a lot of jerks for Jesus that consider persecution a badge of honor when all they're doing is misrepresenting the Christ who died for me. You see, Jesus walked away from the opposition so as not to add fuel to it. There was times he was going to stand. You got to know when to stand. When the, when the woman was, a, was brought before him to be stoned because she was caught in the act of adultery, he stood. He stood between her and the rocks because he was trying to show, show everybody there in that moment that guess what? The guys that want to throw the stones were equally sinful. It just wasn't obvious to everybody else. So what does it look like in your life to be a follower of Christ? What does it look like? Would you call yourself a disciple of Christ? I don't know. What, what do others see in you? That's probably the bigger question. What do others see in us? Here's one that for me is always a struggle. Are we more focused on doing than being with Christ? Are we more focused on doing than being? My prayer all week is that, Lord, would you just develop in us a heart that says, Lord, we just want to be with you. 
God, we just want to be with you. We want to know what it is, oh God, to just be in your presence. Does that mean always in a big gathering? No. I love those moments in the morning when I'm just standing in my bay window and I'm watching the squirrels and go nuts in the trees and, the, and all that's around me. And I'm just, I'm just there saying, God, I, I don't want to ask you to do anything. God, I just, I just need to know what it is to be with you more today. And God, if you want to teach me something, then Lord, in these silent moments, Lord, let my ears be attentive to you. Let my heart be ready to respond. Because I know what's going to happen about 30, 40 minutes later, I'm going to hit my desk. And I know what's going to happen. The emails are going to come and the calls and all that. And before long, I'm just doing. But if I prioritize being before doing, guess what? The doing's a whole lot easier because it's all about him.